Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. Hank Vogler checking in every Monday like clockwork. What's going on, Hank? Just another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, the water's starting to not dry up, but dropping. We got creeks where we've never had them before. And we got grass like you cannot believe. I mean, it is green. Hmm. Well, I don't even want to talk about what it's like at my place. I don't think I've ever seen so much green. And 45 days ago, I had never seen so much drought. But that is not all of Nebraska. I was in places in the eastern third in Nebraska this week, Hank, that mm, they're already calling the uh, yeah. the dryland corn done. Just toast. Yeah, I, I've i seen that on the – they have a drought monitor that they publish every Thursday. Yeah. Boy, yeah, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska are right in the dead center. So. Yeah. It's ugly. Huh. Uh, I see that huh. the Department of Interior is not as welcomed on all Indian reservations in the West as maybe they thought they would be. You know about this? Uh, many, many years ago, had a lot of problem, you know. And the white <laughs> guy never figured it out either. It's a bad deal, too, you know. It just says everybody got the reservation. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean reservation? We got our meets and bounds already. Yeah, uh, Deb Holland is a Laguna Puebla, which is Spanish for uh, lake town or town lake or whatever. Laguna is lake, and uh, Puebla is town in Spanish. But it's still in that country down there. I think it's Arizona, New Mexico. So she wanted to make a big splash, went over to the Navajo reservation and said, okay, we Native Americans are all together on this one. We want to stop oil well drilling because there's too much money in that, gas well drilling, and mineral exploration. Well, the Navajos said, uh, don't let the screen door hit you in the backside on your way out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know. When the when Cristobal Colon almost got to America, I think there were like six or eight hundred tribes in America. It wasn't like they were all right. holding hands singing Kumbaya. <laughs> so yeah, and how how dumb can you be? You know how much green energy or did you want to try and waste uh, to enrich uh, other people and other countries and and make spotted Al Gore look relevant? And Deb was in on the wrong side of the wokey dokey. <laughs> the wokey dokey. Yeah. That's a perfect description. Yes. Hey, I don't know <laughs> why I've never made this connection before, but I wrote my column this week or yesterday for this week. And, you know, I've spent a great deal of time in the last two years, actually, talking about CO2 as a plant food and that we can't keep burying CO2. Well, Hank. When finally, when I started putting together this column that I had in my head, just going into the not not detailed science, not rocket science, third grade textbook science stuff, I started reading weekly readers. 
No, that's got an agenda. That's not science in there. But, okay, CO2. Well, a long time ago, I'm not sure it did. <laughs> well, I'm sure, like all things, it starts out righteous and then goes astray. So how many years of your life, because you always remember year to year, category, categorically, what happened what year? What year did you first hear about the dangers of greenhouse gases? Oh, gosh. But no specific one. I mean, CO2 Correct. is no, just kind of no, just, out. Just greenhouse gas emissions, oh, greenhouse gases. So ballpark, what year do you think that was? Oh, gosh. Uh, they started young. I must have been uh 1971 72 somewhere in there well that makes sense because you know what else started in 1971 right well yeah they outlawed 1080 uh they had the but, yeah who did uh, that horse who, deal. who did that all the, uh that was richard nixon he was trying to curry favor with the democrats so they'd leave him alone right so but he did it in 1971 anyhow, through the formation of the EPA, along with banning DDT. So DDT was the original purpose for creating the EPA, which then brought about that whole discussion of greenhouse gases. So greenhouse gases in today's world are really three gases. Nitric oxide, uh, not nitric, nitrous oxide, which leads to nitrates, CO2, and methane. Those are the three greenhouse gases that are really, we're really focused on. All three of those greenhouse gases have something in common. What are they? What is it? I should say not what are they. What is carbon dioxide? CO2 fuels photosynthesis, yeah. promotes plant growth. We all know that. In fact, what we have now learned, and I didn't zero in on until this started this research project, is that the more CO2 that's present, the faster the plants grow, the smaller the pores and the evaporation. So while CO2 is fueling plant growth, creating the fuel for photosynthesis, producing oxygen, the more CO2 there is, the less water the plant needs. But its overall purpose is to feed plants. Nitrous oxide is the, in its basic form, which is 78% of the Earth's atmosphere, by the way, and its basic form is nitrogen, a product that we use to fuel plant growth. Methane, what is methane? Methane, 90% of natural gas is methane. And what do we turn natural gas into other than nitrates for artificial plant food called, i.e., synthetic fertilizers? So all three of these natural gases that God put in the atmosphere and the elements of the world for the promoting the cycle of life and promoting plant growth, we've been brainwashed into believing that they are greenhouse gases, toxic, and we need to eliminate them. They're plant food. All three of them are plant food. Okay, so I want you, as a responsible citizen in the United States of America, to be the first one to sign they promise that when things get tough, you will voluntarily starve to death. Because I know there's going to be millions of people that are going to say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we've got to protect the earth, so I'll go ahead and starve to death. Now, you should be the first to sign up 
and and be be proactive with these things. For goodness sakes, get on board. Uh, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> I'm promoting more plant growth so nobody has to starve. Uh, well, that's no fun. You know, uh, <laughs> Foreman wanted to get everybody back to to the pre-World War II. He wanted immigration out of the United States, not immigration, because his utopia was when the population was about 150 to 170 million people. So somebody's going to have to choke in this deal. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, it, that's just about how insane it is. Uh, it, make, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, when I was in college, they talked about rhizomes. Rhizomes are, I think, a fungus or something that gets on the nodules of an alfalfa plant that fixes nitrogen that can be used by the plant. And I think about all legumes do that. They do. So, yeah, nitrogen is a very important part of the atmosphere. And what has Trudeau so, and Dutch, uh, the Dutch farmers, all of, all of them been told they need to use less of? Nitrogen. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and small farms. I had a lady try to tell me that, that the problem with all agriculture is the farms are too big. Of course, she didn't know that 98% of all farms are uh, corporate farms are families trying to hold a deal together yeah. to pay income taxes or, or, or uh, inheritance taxes, trying to hold the farm together, all these things. She wasn't aware of that. But corporate farming and large farms, uh, well, the competitive, how much a combine costs now? Half a million? Oh, yeah. You can buy one for that, but they're you got probably, it. You got on it. average three fifty, three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, well, you got to knock down a slug of soybeans in Nebraska or Kansas or anywhere to pay for one of those puppies. You know, well, mm. maybe half of the shields and rules and regulations. When the OSHA first came out and looked at Grandpa's old John Deere fifty fives, I mean, this guy it was Nirvana. It was like Valhalla. He could write up one of those combines for three days of all the shields that it didn't have and all the things. But yet for years and years, the old John Deere 55 cut a lot of grain, but he was up to snuff on OSHA. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Roll route. Hank Vogler, translation. Rock and roll. We will rock and roll when we get back with the second segment after this. Find a way to say thank you to the troops. TheWallOfHonor.org, best place I know to go, TheWallOfHonor.org. It's about saying thank you to the individuals from your local area who've contributed to our ability to maintain our freedom, TheWallOfHonor.org. Uh, are you going to the Yellowstone River? I am. Where the train that's like, fell that's, in? That's exactly where I'm going. How'd you know? Uh, just a wild guess on my part, you know. Yeah probably up there getting people to sign the pledge to die. I mean, I'm sure that the chemicals that were going across that track uh, were probably something that we need. And I'm sorry it happened, but, you know, uh, uh, what happened when uh, the Bruno Jarbridge cauldron fell in, not unlike Yellowstone Park, and put six feet of ash in Nebraska? Now, uh, my ancestors were a little upset by that, and they mm-hmm. had to kind of leave town in a hurry. So, uh, you think I, that you was know, caused by greenhouse gases is. too? 
Oh, absolutely. And there was no CO2 came out of that when that cauldron <laughs> fell in. No CO2 escaped. It, it, it went down a lava tube and wound up probably under my house. <laughs> so that's probably the issue right there. I mean, you you can if you can tell stories, you will always find one or two followers, especially if it's conspiracy. You know, if you say this is working, all you yeah. have to do is come up. Evil white Europeans did this or anything like that. Or, hey, I'm good. You know, they're going to come out with an artificial chicken. Yeah. Now, will this artificial chicken eat it, uh, lay artificial eggs? No. I mean, this could be a revolutionary thing. It's it's an artificial huh. chicken. So except, I got to think. Except it still starts from a chicken. Go figure. Uh oh! Yeah, they have, take a, they have to take a. Oh, I figured a, a, the real a fetus. They have to take a fetus, take a sample of the DNA, and then culture that. So it's, you still have to have a chicken in order to get fake chicken. Go figure. Well, there you go. You've you've answered the question. The yep. chicken, chicken egg came before the chicken because that I had did. to be where they got the spot egg, on the, the DNA. Way to I, go! Way to go! Uh, I mean, you're famous. I, I, I can see your creative genius incubating here, and I know you're going to come up with something innovative. But before you get to that, it's going to probably be Wednesday morning until I arrive at the Yellowstone River in Montana. So don't be calling me Tuesday afternoon to say, "Trent, what'd you find?" All right, what are you? <laughs> you've been thinking about you, what? You found a railroad trestle that you found a railroad trestle that fell in. Because they probably, for the last 10 years, have trying to upgrade their NEPA process, and it's up for public comment for the next 22 years. And so it fell in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. No, I, I mean, if we're going to do artificial chickens, and you solved the issue, which came first, the chicken or the egg, okay, I figure we should expand this to the vegetarian diet. Because the chicken is still chicken. It's still meat product. It's still those horrible grains that they put in those chickens uh, and, and force them to set in cages to have eggs. We got to, you know, this is, this is cutting edge. So my wife's always trying to get me to eat bitter melon. She wants me to eat bitter melon because it's supposed to be good for di- diabetics. And then, of course, rutabaga is my favorite subject. Uh, I think we should also clone them or or maybe get in the process of producing them in mass. So, I mean, we, there's just so much room here to be off of the wall. And I've already had a taste test with Beyond Meat, Impossible Meat or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Little kid at the party, his mom and dad said, you got to eat this burger here. And he told the gentleman cooking the hamburgers that he wanted to eat this. The boy was going to eat this impossible meat because that's what was the best for him. So they made an impossible burger and gave it to the kid. He took one bite out of it, spit it out. And that's the end of his hamburger. So there, there's some taste testing we need to run through. I thought for sure you were going to tell us, but they'll get a following at that graduation in Portland. They forced everybody to eat fake meat on the way in into the graduation ceremony. 
You know, I, I expected it any minute <laughs> somebody to start handing it out. I, I, I wish my friend Don Alt would have been there. Uh, he, he, they were having a protest at the Nevada Department of Agriculture several years ago about gathering the horses off of the state land that Paul Iverson had set up because they were starting to get into people's yards. They were kicking people. People were running over them, all kinds of issues. So they all showed up at the Department of Agriculture meeting. And Don Alt was handing out these wonderful sausage, like pepperoni sticks. Yeah. Uh, I had my first bite and I went, it's Don, this is horse meat. And he goes, yeah, isn't it good? (laughs) (laughs) All all, all of these people (laughs) couldn't get enough of them. (laughs) He handed them out to everybody. Gosh, I... I almost wet my pants. I like so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I have another friend that file. I have another friend that will butcher a horse and feed it to people without telling them what they're eating. He lives in North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, statutes of limitations, I'm sure, has run out on several years. Ago. <laughs> That's priceless. <laughs> Everybody that walked by me just. Here, have a pepperoni stick. Have a pepperoni stick. Yes, sir. <laughs> Anyhow, I mean. But I, I have again, to point out. Whoa, 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 whoa. You detected that it was horse meat, which means you've eaten enough horse meat that you could dis- distinctly tell what flavor it was. Yes, and I've eaten dogs, too. <laughs> and uh, I prefer dog to horse meat. Why? That it's, sounds that sounds better. really wrong. Well, uh, that was back in the old days when the cook ground up everything because she got mad at, at us because she didn't know Saturday night everybody went to town and she oh, ground yeah. up everything. And, and I mean, that stuff had a heartbeat. Couldn't give it away. <laughs> so Pete Quiver, uh, an Indian gentleman, I, I said, Pete, you want to trade a sandwich for some of the – he had to look like jerky. Gosh, darn it's good looking. I said, Pete, you want to trade with this sandwich for that? And he said, Huh? You throw sandwich away, I give you some jerky. <laughs> so I tossed my sandwich. He, he gave me some jerky. And I go, What is this? Venison? No. Uh beef? No. Horse? No. What is it? Dog. And 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 it was good. I mean, it, it wasn't bad at all, and and it was better than that sandwich that the cook was trying to feed us. So, anyhow, <laughs> I didn't know if it was a Saint Bernard or a French poodle, but it. But I'm sure Pete was telling the truth. Yeah, well, I can see where you would jerk it because I just figure a dog is so active all the time. There's not a lot of tender parts on the dog. Well. Uh, my doctor friend, uh, who lives in Sheridan, Wyoming, uh, his son jerked a coyote. No way. Tell you, what coyote, was that like? Coyote jerky is, it, it's not, it's not good. It's very dry and not very good flavor. And I don't know if he just didn't do a good job or not, but, uh, it was one of those things where when nobody's looking, you throw it in the brush. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
I hope it doesn't come but to I the mean, fact where we're out looking lion, for coyotes to make jerky like out of. I hope so. They can come here and get all they want. Yeah. So I was out chopping thistles yesterday, uh, and I looked up, like and there's pork. a coyote 10 feet from me just standing there watching me. Like, grab a spade if you're going to be out here with me watching. You're going to be just standing there. Then when he knew I was watching him, he ran <laughs> off. Generally, uh, if you don't want to see a coyote pack a gun with you, yeah, <laughs> you see, they have they have this innate sense that you've got a gun on you, uh, you can't find them. But boy, if you're just out there wandering around, they come up and want to chew on your pant leg. So I said, anyhow, it is roll you be having fun. We're halfway through the journey. I doubt on any other broadcast throughout the course of the day or the year, you hear many people describing the difference between coyote and dog jerky. But that's what we do on Roll Route, what other people are not willing to accomplish. We're back with the second half after this. Seems like a good time to talk about proper dietary choices, beef. Let's just talk about beef for a moment. These greenhouse gases I visit with Hank about, they cause plant growth. Ruminant animals come along, eat those plants, particularly cows and bison. I would not exclude bison in any way, shape, or form. Part of a healthy ecosystem. And then that CO2, the methane, and even the nitrous oxide all contribute to plant growth at some level. Animals eat the plants. People eat the animals. It's called a cycle of life. And when you do all of that in a tender beef package, you want to do it again. And again, and again, if you want the most rewarding, enjoyable, delightful eating experience ever, try Certified Piedmontese. If that's not the case, you call me and say, Trent, it wasn't what you told me it was going to be. I want to hear from you. Tender beef is the result of Piedmontese genetics. CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Welcome back, Trent Luce, alongside Hank Vogler, checking in from White Pine County, Nevada. Hank, did you hear about the uh, submarine? I did. You know, uh, who's on, you know who's on the submarine? Uh, probably a, an environmentalist that was probably world renowned. Shawwood Day, Sh- uh, Shaw, Shazada. Daywood. I'm not good on Pakistani names, but a billionaire from Pakistan and his 17 year old son, Shahzada Daywood. Why, why am I bringing it that up? Father's Day present for uh, the, the kid didn't want to go for one thing, but I thought there was some other kind of a, uh, expert in the environment on there too. Or somebody that had a TV uh, yeah. program or something. I wasn't tying this guy to being an environmental expert, but he was chairman of a committee at the World Economic Forum. You know, that group that wants well, to kill the planet. Yes. To save it. Kill it to save it. Yes. And, uh-huh. and ironically, speaking of trains, do you remember about three weeks ago when a train left Wyoming? And when I got to California, there was a whole carload of like 26 ton of ammonium nitrate missing. 
That's the stuff that you use to blow stuff up with? Yeah. Or fertilizer, whichever comes either, first? Either one. <laughs> it does either one. <laughs> he happened to own Is that. Is that the big, big bang, big bang theory? So how can this guy who's a Pakistani billionaire be on a submarine that reportedly blows up? He's the chairman of a economic world economic forum committee on destruction of the planet and owns an energy company that just happened to lost 20. I don't remember exactly how many ton it was, but a significant amount of ammonium nitrate. How, how does that all happen? Coincidentally? Well, uh, maybe he was uh, trading with Putin in, in Russia. He's going to have an issues there too. So you never know. There's always a, a, a complete explanation at the end of the day. It's just that the day never ends for all the skullduggery that's going on right now. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I got a sneaking suspicion that the five people on that submarine all needed to relocate. That's what I think. Very well could be. Very well could be. Uh, You you, you just, you know, you can, like the guy in Russia, why the, the, the rebel, general or whatever he was or the or the private army guy well he went to belarus well isn't belarus in the northwest corner of ukraine so if his folks all go over there maybe the russians are going to attack from two different points because i don't think putin just lets people oh darn you know that's that's okay yeah you're all right no you you wind up you know in the meat grinder or something. You wind up in some pepperoni sticks at the Moscow convention or something. I don't know. I I don't believe anything that goes on anymore. There seems to be an ulterior motive to everything. Yep. True story. Yeah. But the one thing that I want to get over with, if we Yep. Go ahead. No, I was just going to add to that no, that I, I, just I haven't we, paid attention to what's going on with the Russia thing because I don't I don't believe what I'm told anyway. So I don't, there's no reason to pay attention. It, well, no. But, but after seeing the first news clip of it, you know, and and nothing happened. The guy quit. He was almost to Moscow, uh, and and Putin first said some nasty comments, and then he said, you know, oh well, you can go over to Belarus. I go, oh. Okay, this is this is too kinky for me. <laughs> I don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> and but this I, coming from I, a guy used to own a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, <laughs> we have got to, to. We cannot be competing against Emerald Live, but I do want to make one more comment about diet. And, and foods that other people eat that we don't want to eat or whatever, or the fact that protein is protein, whether Bill Gates wants you to eat worms or whatever he's peddling. The term tougher than a government mule. You ever heard that one? No. Okay. Tougher than a government mule. Well, that sounds like government mules could pack 500 pounds and run up the trail backwards and make things worse well no the armed services ate a lot of horse meat when it was a calvary and they ate a lot 
lot of mules too. When an animal got crippled or was too old to cut the mustard or was a bronco, that was what was served. So again, be very careful when somebody offers you a pepperoni stick at a meeting about wild horses. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> You're inspiring me to have a meeting about wild horses. You know that, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're fat now, boy. I'll tell you what. They, the ones that survived, they did turn around. Guarantee it. Hmm. That's crazy how quick it just turns like nothing flat. It was only um, yeah. two months ago you and I were there counting dead ones. Yep. And there, I, I saw two of them today. Young stud, he's whipped out a, a mare, and he's got a mare with him. And, and uh, she hadn't pupped yet. So uh, she's a little behind the eight ball, but she darn sure looks like she's going to have one. And right away. But anyhow, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, they were just as shiny as they could be. And two months ago, you probably could have walked out and put a halter on them, led them to some private holding. Except those six that you and I chased in a pickup. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. No, don't say that. Wild (laughs) horses are like antelope or anything else. They see you coming. For some reason, they instinctively think they can get away by running in front of you. And all they did is parallel them, and they kept trying to cut across the road. Now, let's get that one clear. You know, I mean, you know, uh, if Joe Biden's son is the only person, Hunter is the only person that can get away with something like that. You and I would probably die of old age in prison if they thought we were actually harassing those nestingos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have a video of the whole thing, so there's going to be proof. Yep. Well, that doesn't matter to them. I don't care how much proof you got. They don't care. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the 38-inch fence that they built, those horses are jumping that thing like uh, right and left, and they hit the top wire, and we've had to fix that thing now nine times. Really? Nine times. Yeah, they they they're breaking the top wire, but it's only thirty eight inches high. To be a league fence in the state of Nevada, it has to have four wires, and it has to be forty eight inches high. So uh, you know, I and I don't know what that you know, but they're not, and and the horses so far don't seem to be terribly intimidated by it. So if they indeed are going to gather those horses in, in July, they're going to. We're probably going to have to rebuild the entire fence. So, <laughs> have they never seen a hunter jumper in that, or, or, or what? Well, bring your camera; we can probably see one when they fire up the helicopter. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> bring your camera. Let's do this again. I'll see if I can get Don to bring over some pepperoni. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a crowd, no doubt about it. We can tell him that it was a horse that died, and we got to it just before it took its last last breath and bled it out and made jerky. Yes, just got to do our best to cut down on government waste. So, 
So how are the sheep it's, doing? What's new in the sheep world? Uh, we're pretty well lambed out. We got, got the girls back from California. They're on their march to some new country in the Shell Creeks and uh, uh, probably going to read about them being in, in <laughs> They broke up one of the nicest ranches in Nevada. Several people had to buy it. Nobody wanted the sheep permits. So I partnered up with the guy that had to take the sheep permits or else. And uh, we're going to put sheep on it. The Nevada Department of Wildlife, of course, wants to put wild sheep on it, which will be on across the street from me. So it's obvious that they have a target painted on me. And I'm not sure they know yet that uh, I will be. My friend has the vested water rights on the water that raises on their property. And in Nevada, they can't block you from using that water as far as I know. So anyhow, it's just another one of those little entanglements that make you feel good. But the best one of all, I was saving this for for you, and you might have to tell me to shut up for the third segment. Yeah, because we got one minute left. I got go ahead. some. Okay, I got a summons from an attorney, a group of attorneys that are representing a runaway sheep herder that worked here in Nevada for three months before he ran away. Not from me, but from another wool grower. And they have 48 pages of why we should all have a class action suit against us for our mistreatment of these people and working them for next to nothing. Uh, and on and on and on. Well, he's back in Peru because he couldn't find a job. So he called Western Range and they bought him a ticket back to Peru. So now he cannot come back up here, but yet they're using him as a, as a straw man to, uh, file this suit. So, uh, pretty near everybody in the state of Nevada are in on the suit. And I mean, boy, when can we ever get tort reform? This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we're going to have to dissect or peel this know. onion when we get back with more Roll Rot. Hank Wiggler, I'm trying to figure out exactly who's suing who for what and the guy who's responsible is back in Peru. More Roll Rot after this. Here's what I know. People need a better lesson in culture. The best place I know of to find out about culture, particularly culture that feeds America, feeds and clothes America, is none other than the over 100-year-old National Western in Denver, Colorado, every January. I'm really looking forward to Denver National Western 2024. We've got a lot of new ideas in terms of connecting food to the people who call Colorado home. Now, the National Western encompasses people from producing food from all over the planet, particularly North American continent. We're going to bring that direct to the people in Denver and Colorado that want to know where their food comes from. NationalWestern.com. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Luce alongside Hank Wobler checking in White Pine County, Nevada. He's tougher than a government mule. I didn't anticipate that was about a dietary thing until you start walking through the story. I thought it was about a mule packing ammunition up a hill or something. No, the the armed services uh, did not waste the old mules, and and evidently mules probably because they packed heavier weights than the horses did, I guess, or whatever. 
that was the saying that came out, tougher than a government mule, but it had to do with the culinary delight rather than uh, packing 500 pounds up uh, of ammunition up a hill backwards. So, however, in the Korean War, I think there was a, a, a mule or a horse that got the Congressional Medal of Honor. Reckless. One of the Marine, uh, a Marine mare, a little bitty old, like 13 two hand mare. Reckless. She, she saved countless yeah. lives. I actually interviewed, in fact, if somebody knows who this is, I've lost track of who it was, but I interviewed a guy at a cattleman's event who actually took care of Reckless during his tenure in Korea. And I want to talk to him or remember at least who I feel embarrassed that I don't remember the name. I always remember names, but it was about 10 years ago. I talked to this guy, maybe Ray, Colorado, somewhere in Northeast Colorado, but you're right. Reckless. Yeah. Anyhow, back to the latest fire shot fired over the bow of the sheep industry. Uh, the lawyers are in San Francisco. Los Angeles, Chicago, and I think there's a New York firm, but it's a, there's a string of them. And they're suing us for mistreatment of these Peruvians that we hire through Western Range Association. And uh, the, it's just a complete conspiracy against them. It's on and on and on. Well, the guy that they're using as their poster child was working for Mr. Big over across the street here. And he was there three months and ran away, uh, was not gamefully employed. And so he called up Western Range crying. Uh, and he couldn't go back because he broke his contract. So they bought him a ticket back to Peru. But in the meantime, the advocates got a hold of him and, uh, uh, got him to sign off on this lawsuit. Well, here they are suing all of us, class action, of how horribly we treat. And everybody knows that if you get somebody working for you, if you can abuse them, you know, beat them with a shovel, uh, starve them, give them, you know, make them sleep out in 40 below zero weather with, with no shirt on, they'll do, they'll absolutely love you and they'll work twice as hard. And I mean, Yes. So this morning, I went over to the bunkhouse for the ranch meeting. You've been to the ranch meeting. I have. And I go, okay, boy. I have boys, video this, of that, too, by the way. This is super. Uh-oh. Boy, I'm told you better burn that one. I'm probably going to be used against me in this lawsuit. God. You, you need to have some permission before you do these things. But anyhow. The long and short of it is, I go, okay, guys, this is serious. In American money, converting Saul's to American money, if you were herding sheep in Peru, which, you know, I don't know that I've ever hired anybody that ever herded sheep in Peru. Right. But they all bribed somebody to get the test so they could go take the test so they could Mm -hmm. come to the United States to make money. So they all know how to pass the test, but they've never ever. I think I one guy worked for me for quite a while. Uh, Victor, I have a lot of Victors. Uh, he was his name was Victor Ramos, and I believe he worked a, 
uh, in a wool processing plant. That's as close as we've come to a sheep herder. But anyhow, they're highly trained, according to these people. And I said, what do you get for herding sheep? If you're herding sheep in Peru in American money, well, they kind of got in an argument over it. One said $100 a month, no board and room. You go home every night. And the other one was 150 But one of them was 10 years younger than the other one. And the other one's been here pretty much all the time. So they may have raised their wages quite a bit from 100 to 150 in American money. And no board and room. you got to provide your own board and room. And I said, well, okay, what other jobs are there? Well, there's restaurant jobs. You can sell orange. One gentleman that's worked for me for a very long time uh, had a burrow, and he would get oranges and grapefruit and different fruit and stand on a street corner with his burrow and sell oranges and things. That was his uh, claim to fame. But anyhow, they said, if you can get a job in a mine, and we're talking the pick and shovel end of a mine, not running equipment, you have to go to uh, school and you have to be certified to run any kind of equipment beyond a pick and a shovel. Your starting wages are around $300 a month. So now I'll go with the $300 a month for what it costs them to, for me to come up here and what they get paid in board, room, dollars, et cetera, et cetera. It's like 10, 12 times the money they can make down there. So guess what the incentive is for them to come up here and herd sheep? Now, I realize that the CFO of iPhone, uh, Apple computer, I think gets a little more than that. Not much, but a little more than that. Nobody's looking for that. He doesn't job. get room they or board, though. The one that pays him. He has to provide his own house. Oh, he does. Yeah. Uh, oh well, there you go. See, you just can't. You just can't never get it straight when you live on the other side of nowhere. So, but anyhow, yeah, they come up here. They cheat and lie to get the job. Uh, and I'm not holding that against them. I mean, if you're down there, you got a family. You love your kids, you love your wife, or whatever that level of, man, you can make that much money going to the United States. I want to do it. Well, here's what you have to do. You give me some money, and I'll give you the answers to the test that you have to take that you are prior sheep herder in Peru. Or whatever the bribe is, whatever, everything in Peru that I can understand is a soborno, which is a bribe. But again, and these people are going to sue us. And 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 uh, said said we were a six hundred and sixty million dollar industry. Oh my gosh, there's only about twelve of us, Trent. You could buy the whole dang industry or put us all out of business for a dollar two ninety eight. And and they're saying we got a six hundred and sixty million dollar industry. I think that's a little high. There's I don't want to pretend that I know what I'm talking about, but I know that attorneys get sanctioned when they file frivolous lawsuits. This needs to be a sanctioned really? lawsuit. Whoever, yeah. Whoever led this brigade and every attorney that participates in it, if it can be deemed a frivolous lawsuit, every attorney can be sanctioned. And it's like a serious hickey on their attorney record. Well, they did their homework. Uh, they even put down the number of sheep I have and said that I held 10% of the sheep in Nevada. 
Well, so how do they find out how many sheep you have? I don't know how many sheep you have, uh, and I well, talk to you every week. Well, yeah, but I didn't want to tell you how important I was, you know. <laughs> how I, do they know how many sheep I, you have? Uh, well, I have to file, file every year with uh, uh, my taxes, my predatory taxes with the state of Nevada, which I'm sure that makes it a public record. And they were off anyhow, so that's fine. But, um, uh, okay. you know, no. guy asked me, you people f- ask me all the time if I'm the biggest man in Nevada. And I tell them, no, after that pancreatic cancer, I lost about 40 pounds. So, okay, but there's nothing on your tax form. Is this a tax form for, uh, sheep herders? It's like property taxes. Uh, we pay so much. Oh, for you got to so list how many animals you have, and then you pay a tax per animal. Yep. Oh, and dear. it's partly, and my, the most of the money that's collected for sheep goes for uh, predation. So when the people that show up and say that, I see. The, the, oh, that's that's just a blatant invasion material of material in case of privacy. I think you're on the edge of uh, the outer limits here when it comes to connectivity. If I can get 4 or $5 a pound for my lambs and $10 a pound for my wool, I can afford all these lawsuits. I can afford all this crap. I mean, I've spent $300,000 trying to get Southern Nevada Water Authority off my back. And let me tell you, the cookie jar is empty. Who do you and think initiated this lawsuit, by the way? <laughs> Who knows? Southern Nevada so Water sure. Authority. I'm here to tell you that this is their other pronged approach. They have a they have buddies in the attorney world, and they're coming at you with two forks instead of just one. I, I'm pretty sure that they are the ones that uh, alerted Western Watershed of my issues and Western watershed is filing a, a briefs as, as a friend of the court or whatever that is. And just on and on and on. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and you know, the cookie jar is empty boys and girls. And I, so, and let's say I get hit a home run and I win, I still got to go back into the same BLM office and get them to straighten the mess out. All I've won is nothing other than the fact that I have standing. Period. In the story. I still will have to go back to the BLM, go probably through the NEPA process, no more categorical exclusions. I mean, so you win, but you lose. And, and eventually that's how they get you. So, yeah. but you can't, again, you can't swim halfway across the lake and say, God, I'm getting tired. I think I'll swim back. I, uh, I don't know what you do. The real loser is the United States consumer who's relied on people like Hank Vogler to take care of these publicly owned lands and convert them into the senses of life, which are not going to be readily available very soon because of nonsense like this. I should have said bovine fecal matter. That's Hank's term. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting food producers to food consumers. For Hank Vogler, I'm Trent Loose. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route.
Now we just have a minute or two to, no, less than a minute, half a minute to talk about running water. We could talk about keeping the lights on, but I think it's a bigger deal if you don't have running water in your house or any public utility. That's exactly where we're headed if we don't wake up and understand that coal should be our primary source of reliable electricity. We're retiring coal at an alarming rate. You need to get involved. Lignite.com.